Feels good that you unsuppressed me first well, out I of mean, everybody. I, I suppressed start myself with the least important person. Woo! Nope, that's not usually how it works. <laughs> Unclick. Oh. Really? Yes. Yeah. Really. Really. I'm <laughs> sore, man. I think about I'm that. sore. Been scraping some, scraping some. Welcome wood. to the forecast, everybody. Hey! <laughs> no more of this. <laughs> <laughs> no more. episode 87 yes 87 not 89 because uh, a while back i ruined things and made the numbers all wrong so we're just gonna fix that right now so this is gonna be like 87 again except a new 87 like it'll be it'll be fine just don't worry about it so welcome is, to the is there a heist involved with this there may be we were two be. numbers off not yeah, two right? numbers off i'm sorry two numbers I off up. so is there welcome gonna be the three 87s in a row no, there's not going to be three 87s in a row. Because the next one will be 88. Yeah, the next one will be, be 88. Two 87s and two 88s. Yeah. There'll be, that's correct. Two 87s, two 88s. Oh, man. Last episode was 88, and now we're at 87 again. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We did yeah. ourselves. What we're going to do is we're just going to start going backwards till we get to zero, and then we're done with the podcast. Oh, so, interesting. Yeah, it's my way of phasing this part of my life out. Oh, man. You know? Finally, I can have my Thursday nights back. <laughs> Because you're Anyways. doing so much with them anyway. Yeah, man, all these, look at all these the games forecast. I got to play. Welcome to the Forecast episode 87. The Forecast is a bi-weekly podcast produced every other Thursday. We're a group of people who love exploring and discussing all kinds of things from board games to video games to movies to film to things we encounter in our everyday lives. If you'd like to know more about what we do, you can follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash We Are The Horizon community, or you can check out our website at wearethehorizon.com. We have a bunch of additional content on there for you to browse through and check out. Additionally, everything we talk about is in our cast notes, which is pushed out to whatever podcasting app you're using. Uh, my name is Aaron, and I'm joined by a couple additional peeps this week. Mr. Alex. Mr. Hello, Alex. everybody. No, I'm Ms. just going to call Mr. you Mr. Alex. Yes, just I am Mr. Alex. Mr. Everybody Alex. refer to me as Mr. Alex. Mr. Alex. <laughs> Al, my pal. Uh, Caleb. Hello. And OE93. <laughs> <laughs> hey, and uh, missing from the show today we uh, is our normal host or co-host i should say uh jake and caleb uh, not caleb uh, hi Chad. Oh I'm my here. Gosh, here. are you okay Chad. Uh, it's been um, a long are you gonna make it i feel like you're having an aneurysm I'm right now i'm trying <laughs> i nice from our show is our co our all right i'm gonna okay co- oh, person uh, oh shoot all right hey everybody <laughs> let's go start with where we always start which is what have you been playing lately and alex will uh we'll start with you yeah, I've been playing a lot of Celeste. Yes. Um, what? No way. I thought you were done with that game. I <laughs> was done with that game. I Number completed one, the story. No one is yeah. ever done with that game because until you get all the golden strawberries, you're not done with that oh. game. Somebody's done with that Some game. Some of those are like legitimately impossible. Do you think that they actually keep track of like how many people have actually completed golden strawberry levels? I'm sure, yeah. Probably, oh, probably, man. yeah. I mean, there's an achievement for getting so many strawberries, and they keep track of that. So I don't know, mm, maybe I guess that's true. Okay, I'm sure they track everything. Probably. Um, yeah. So they put out a 
a new free DLC that's chapter nine. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to go back and play the new chapter because I played the story and I finished that. And I was like, cool, I'm done with this game. I'm going to go back and play this <laughs> new chapter. And then instead, I ended up playing through all of the B-sides and then finding all of the crystal hearts to unlock the, the B-side for the core. And then I beat that. And then I just played today the C-side for chapter one and beat that. <laughs> so I haven't even touched the new DLC, actually. I've been playing all the old stuff. Are you going to do all of the seasides before you? Oh, my. You're crazy <laughs> if you're going to do that. Those are so hard. I did the first I, one, and it was okay. I yeah. think you're right, though. I, I think it was Caleb pointed out that the B-sides are like the perfect difficulty level. It's just Yeah, like, they, they seem to hit the right, except for stinking core B-side, which has some very annoying parts. <laughs> yeah. Like, I... I like when the platforming challenge is there. I don't like when a bunch of stuff is moving around the screen and you have to figure out the timing for everything. Oh, your pathway through. I know exactly what you're talking about. When you're bouncing off of the frozen blocks that are moving. Yeah, like that kind of stuff. Or just like mm -hmm. the, the, the fireballs are spinning and you have to be like, all right, time to trial and error for a thousand times until I figure out the correct like path to get through without running into a fireball. Okay, okay, Mr. I made this two-player Mario Maker 2 game or level that has like <laughs> you have this very specific set of steps that you have to get through in order to get to the end of the level. Sound familiar? Yeah, all, all that's like visible. Wait, all There's what no... you're doing in Celeste is visible. No, because there's like a pathway through that section or those sections in general that you're supposed to take, but it is not visible. It's just a bunch of stuff moving. And you basically trial and error your way to find the path. Mm. The level I built in Mario Maker, everything is visible on screen. And if you look at it long enough, you can be like, all right, I just have to throw the shell over there and it'll hit that and then it'll do this. And then I can jump up here. Which, and that's that. Caleb, for what it's worth, just so you know, Alex and I played his Mario Maker 2 level when we were at uh, Boulevard. And he gave me no hints, and we were done in like, what was it, 20, 25 minutes? Had to have been less than that. It was less than 30 minutes because I had to leave for the airport in less than 30 minutes. So, <laughs> Smoked it. So if there's nice. anyone out there who says the level's not good or too hard. I told Sam and Cassie that we did it, and they're like, they played, he played with you, so it doesn't count. Oh, get <laughs> out of here. <laughs> I literally told I you everything level. to do. You didn't suggest it. The only thing you said was when it broke at one point and that we couldn't have or we couldn't get one of those shells. And you're like, oh, well, you actually have to start over because you're stuck. Yeah, there was just a there was a coupling that wasn't just missing no. for some reason. <laughs> I don't know what happened to it. And then we restarted and it was there. I was like, OK. Weird. Weird. So back to Celeste, are you going to do all the rest of the seasides before you play the new level? Uh, I don't know. I'll check them out. I mean, the total number of deaths you would have on the seasides is probably close to the total number of deaths you will have on the new level. Because it's pretty long. Yeah. yeah. So the new level, I got over 3,000 deaths now. Oh, wow. 3,000? I, I went back for the moonberry. There's a special moonberry. Oh, why is there a moonberry now? Because there's strawberries, the man. You got to yeah, have a yeah, strawberry yeah. somewhere, right? So there's yeah, a moonberry. Yeah. Okay. And uh, yeah, I, before that, I had like 2,980 deaths or something. But now I have like 3,050 or something. But I'm that, not going to lie. Well, go ahead. I was just going to say, I'm not going to lie. There's very little that's more satisfying in video game realm when I hear the number of deaths you've had and I know that I've beaten <laughs> it on a level. <laughs> I get real excited. I will say, a bunch of the B-sides, I have played through twice. Shut up. But. <laughs> I don't need to know that. 
It's on a, it's on well, a let's move less deaths the second Let's time. move there on you. to something else more important. Alex. No, we got to talk about a little bit about Celeste, though. Because here's yes. the problem. Because we haven't talked about Chapter 9, which is freaking awesome. All right, the story is pretty good. Not as good as the base game, but it's hard to follow that. But the platforming in it, oh my gosh, it's so good. It made it reminded me of everything that I loved about playing through Celeste when I played through it. The first and time. it just brings like all of that back. And it does even better things with all of the mechanics. Yeah, and it seems like they've added some additional... I mean, even like right at the very beginning when you start to hit those um, uh, dash refreshes that it's like a double refresh. I don't yep. think they had that in the base game. I don't... I think... Th- I think there were a double. I don't I remember think there seeing were double a double refreshes. Hmm. Maybe in the later seasides, but oh, it does add new mechanics, uh, and it does teach you mechanics that have already existed again. That's that blows my mind. <laughs> it blows yeah. my mind that a game would wait until freaking you've played 50, 60 hours of it, and they're like, "Oh, hey, by the way, you could have yeah. been doing this from the beginning." Mm-hmm. Maybe that's the point. You're supposed to learn all this stuff, and then you go back and get the golden strawberries because then you have all these additional mechanics, and it makes the levels way more easy to traverse. I mean, it does. Th- this mechanic is like a c- common speedrunner mechanic. It's, it's called a wave dash, I think. Yes, after mm. Smash, apparently. I don't know. But it teaches you that. And yeah, you can go back and use it in earlier levels and like streak through them. That's crazy. Quite fun. I did That's crazy. That. Uh, yeah, I, I got to the added... end of the, the Summit B-side. And at the very end, during like the the cassette like flip back and forth block part, they just added in like two more mechanics that weren't in any <laughs> of the rest of the game. Yeah, you got low low grav, and you've got like falling off the screen to appear on the other side. Yep. Mm-hmm. Man. Not none of that in any of the rest of the game except for mm-hmm. that one section. I'm pretty. Didn't they yeah, also man. add like 40 minutes of new music to the? New oh level? yeah, it's all all the music. That's so awesome! I love their soundtrack. Let's do it all the time. It's sick. It's I don't know if it's as good as like a bunch of the earlier levels, but it's still pretty solid. There are some B-side soundtracks in there that I oh can just put on gosh. repeat. Yes, some of the B-side remixes are just so oh, good. Oh, so good! They're you crazy. Know, speaking of music and speaking of Mario Maker, with Mario Maker 2, they added some environments to tile sets that didn't exist in the original games, and they just like composed new music in the same like kind of theme really to fit it so there's like huh. new new suit or there's like new uh super mario world music in this new game uh and stuff like that that's it's super crazy awesome <laughs> that's pretty cool what else are you playing i gotta jump back to Celeste real quick for one oh, second sorry, sorry <laughs> there's sorry. one thing that i didn't i forgot almost forgot to mention um uh, i don't know if it's like two-thirds or maybe just halfway through chapter nine there's another um big wall that has the hearts on it that you have to get through and it basically starts a b-side then and the rest of it's kind of just running a b-side that's when it really teaches you the new mechanic the wave dash mechanic interesting and takes off so it's like a nice divider between wait all right so you, you played you played the regular level basically here's the b-side level the but story is it like still a, continues like, into the b-side but is it like a heart wall in the sense that you have to get more hearts before you can move through to the new i didn't see how many hearts you need because I have them all. Are there hearts on the seasides? Yeah. yeah. Mother trucker, I have to go beat all those? <laughs> Probably not. I don't know. The, I don't think it was that many. I bet you do. I don't uh, think it was that many. That would Probably be a real up, troll but... move. Be like, hey, listen, you have to be a freaking 
Celeste player to get <laughs> here. Uh, the troll move was making you get enough hearts to get into the core, and then you get through that and you start the B side, and it's like, mm, no, get all of them first. <laughs> <laughs> nah. Uh, what else? What else have you been playing? Um, so this game called Heave Ho came out. It's like a co-op physics platformer where you're like these little people with there's like a ball person with two long arms and you can point where your arms are going to go and you have control over your two hands and you just like grab onto each other and swing around. You don't move your arms independently either. They both move in the same direction when you hold. Yeah, it's all on the left stick and then the two triggers for your two hands. Very weird. So, yeah, there's other games that we've played where you have independent control of your arms, so it's a little bit getting used to, but Mm -hmm. it's four players, so you basically form like a barrel monkey's chain and then fling yourself across levels. And uh, it's also got like added bonus of like there's little um, coins you're trying to, to collect for like challenges essentially, and then like you unlock cosmetics with those. It's super fun. Uh, it's cool just game. for like a little like dumb couch co op experience. And it's got so many levels. Yeah, it's got a ton of levels. There's for, so many. There's a lot for like what you pay for that game. Yeah. I think it's like $10 or maybe less. I think it's $10. What was the um, game at uh, PAX that we were talking about this the other day where you like, you're playing a blob, and one person plays the right arm, and the other person plays the left arm, and you're like rolling around and using your arms to traverse. Similar, but it's two people controlling one, one thing. Yeah. And if you rip off an arm, you have to regrow it. I know what you're talking about, but I cannot remember what it's called. I just thought it was funny that both those games were at PAX in the same year, like mm-hmm. released the same year. I think also, wasn't there also the dog game? Yeah, the yeah there was dog. the dog one. Fogs? Is that what it's called? Yep. Also, can we mention that, man, freaking Parsec is crazy. Oh, my gosh. It's so good. Like, what? What a brilliant idea. Let's freaking get let everybody play these co-op games because people don't want to have it online. No, no, no. We'll just freaking Parsec into other people's computers and play games together. It's so great. The other day, Sam, Cassie, Alex and I were looking for games to play and Sam found a game and he's like, all right, let's go all buy it. And I was like, wait, wait, wait. Parsec. One mm-hmm. person buys it. We all get to play it, man. So freaking cool. So and cool. it's like it works flawlessly. There's no lag. Yeah, it's crazy good. It is incredible. Multiple people can connect at the same time. Also, like we, we play from separate states across the country. <laughs> yeah. Talking about the streaming thing, too. And we were talking about Celeste when when we were driving uh, back from <laughs> Omaha, Nebraska to Kansas City. I was like, uh, Alex, there's no way you can play Celeste right now. We're in the middle of nowhere. Freaking whips out his phone, connects to Steam as a controller, and is playing Celeste in the car <laughs> flawlessly. No real yeah, lag issues. Nothing. Steam Link Anywhere is really good. It's crazy. Yeah, that was an added benefit of uh, I have the iOS 13 beta on my phone, so my DualShock 4 just connects to the phone nice. natively now. That's great. And uh, Wait. just playing Celeste on there. So that thing is literally just like a little connection that goes on your DualShock that holds your phone? Oh, yeah. I just bought like a plastic piece off Amazon. It was like super cheap. you (laughs) bought an actual controller. No, I just have a PlayStation controller and like a little plastic piece that holds the phone to it. Gosh, I'm so excited. Okay. Is it just Bluetooth? Yeah, it's just Bluetooth. The reason why I wasn't using my Elite because it's not Bluetooth. Yeah. Hmm. 
Mm. The mm. new Elite will be. It's also more expensive. It's like $180 for a freaking controller. Mm-hmm. All right, what else have you been playing? Uh, me and Caleb have been playing a new game called Children of Morta. Been playing the crap out of it. Yeah, I'm playing a lot of it. It's um, it is a it's a roguelike sort of. It is a roguelike. Yep, it's uh, a roguelike. It is like heavily story based though. So, uh, you go on runs into the dungeons and stuff like that, and you'll come back to this house, and in, the whole story is around this family called the Bergsons. And you'll come back, and there'll just be like a little story cutscene about what the family's doing, and you know what what's gone on since you've been gone, or like they're all gathered around the table for a family meal, and it'll reveal a little bit more of like some of the lore of the world, or you know just like new characters coming over time, so you can unlock new characters to play just by like naturally progressing through the story. Um, and it's you know it's two players. Uh, there's what six characters or something yep six characters and they're all they all have their own unique skill trees so even though it's a roguelike where you're just doing runs into these dungeons you are getting skill points and upgrading your characters over time so there is a sense of progression Mm -hmm. you also upgrade other abilities that apply to everyone like crit chance and base attack damage things like that yeah, so it's got like the uh, the rogue legacy, like upgrade your base or not. It's not upgrading your base, but it's basically it kind of like is, yeah. you're upgrading your base to increase stats across the board. Mm-hmm. Um, like I'm gold find the, and experience gain. Story chunks are like really good. I like them a yeah. lot, especially there's some story story pieces that play out in the dungeons. You'll find like special rooms where some story plays out, and those are always really really good. And then there's like little like extended like quests that take place over multiple runs. Like very in the very close to the beginning of the game, you come across a wolf mother and her pup, and the mother got killed, and you like rescue the pup and take it back to the house. But the pup got like hit by something and is infected. And then like over the next like dozen runs or so into the dungeon, you're finding uh you're trying to find like a couple of ingredients to make a medicine that's gonna cure the dog. Um, oh, and then like so eventually like, you do that. It's just like it's like a side quest, but not really. It's just like something you're supposed to be doing along with going. Yeah, into I, think, I think I think right. like the overall goal is just to clear the game. Mm-hmm. So there's like three distinct areas, each with like three sub areas in them. And at the in in the three sub areas, you you'll do a run to one of the sub areas, and then in that you have like three sections you have to make it through. And uh, at the end of the three sections, there's a boss. Um, hmm. And and like throughout the the run, you're collecting like power ups, like um, like passive abilities or like active abilities that you're grabbing. Um, stuff like little companion dudes that will attack every once in a while, or just like you're getting an item that gives you increased crit chance, or you're getting like a totem that you drop that will slow everybody around it. A totem that summons a dragon. Yep. There's a lot of really cool abilities and interactions between the various characters. Also, for a really long time, the game just continued adding different features, like slowly. It like drip fed them, but we were constantly getting new things to mess with. Like relatively recently, it started dropping these things called runes, which attach to specific abilities that you have and grant them bonus effects. And then they like wear down as you use them. And that was only pretty recent that it added those. And we've been playing yeah. for a long time. 
So you have you have like an ability that will launch a a big arrow that hits a bunch of people in an AOE. And usually it just does damage, but you find a rune that attaches to it and it's like, all right, now the AOE is also gonna stun. And then you get to use it like, you know, a dozen or so times, and then the rune kind of wears out and goes away, and then it's back to normal again. And one of the really cool things, once you level that character that has that explode arrow up enough, it unlocks runes for everyone else that up activate that person's explode arrow on specific instances occurring, like you do a crit or something. Yeah, there's like uh, tiers in the skill tree, and once you hit a tier, it'll unlock a passive that affects like the entire family. So like one of the characters is just like um, you just start the run with a, a gemstone that you can use to unlock a, a chest or like buy something in a shop. Or, you know, there's another one that's just like, you know, sometimes you'll drop runes that add this character's abilities to your abilities. Hmm. And there's a there's yeah, there's like Super a whole cool. lot of cool interaction between the different characters and all of them are good, excluding one big hammer boy. He sucks. He's terrible. Everyone else. Really solid characters. Yeah, and we still haven't even get, gotten up all the skill trees, so there's yeah. abilities we still haven't unlocked and stuff like that. Seems cool. Yeah, we got a long way to go. We're only in the first section of the second region, and there's three regions, three sections for each. It's hard. It's really hard. It's a lot of fun, though. Yeah, it's really good. And uh, finally... I've been playing a lot of Astral Chain on the Switch. It's a Switch exclusive by uh, Platinum Games, so makers of Bayonetta and uh, like uh, what's the one that you like, Caleb? In near, near, near Automata, Automata, Automata. No, Automata that sounds so dumb. <laughs> Think about how Automata dumb that sounds. It can't be the word. Near Automata I was like, somebody said Yakuza to me once, and I was like, that can't be the word. Listen, listen to how dumb that sounds. I'm pretty sure that, <laughs> that was That cannot me. be the word. I'm it pretty sure that's how I said it. I know that. who it was. Oh, Yakuza. Okay. <laughs> Yakuza. So I've been playing Astral Chain. Um, I started this game thinking, oh, they're kind of going a Dark Souls direction. Because basically, the first two missions you play, you, you have like a basic attack, uh, that just can like string like four or five attacks together and you have a dodge roll and you have this dude. So like the crux of this game is you have these chimera monster things and you're on this special uh, police force that has captured some of them and you have an astral chain that goes from like your arm to one of these monsters and you basically control it and it helps you fight. That's cool. So, so you're just like you have tied your, to it kind of. Yeah. So this is a chain running from your arm to like the back of its neck. Okay. It doesn't like it, by the way, that's explained <laughs> in like the first mission, the second mission, because they, they all like break out and then they fight you because they're mad. Because slavery um, is a bad thing. Slavery is a bad thing, but they don't really, they don't address that at all. They do, you just recapture yours, and they're like, "All right, cool. You use it to fight again." Wow. Um, <laughs> uh, Seems but legit. yeah, you got this. You got this monster on your chain, and you can kind of like, you can press a button to like send them out towards enemies, and they'll kind of auto attack for a while. And they have a meter, and that's how long they can stay out. 
and if they take damage it goes to the meter so like they'll be able to stay out less long and if you put them away it'll recharge your meter and then you can put them back you can pull them back out you kind of like summon them and like dismiss them at will um you can also press the same button to like recall them to you so you can kind of like send them away and bring them to you and that was like all you could do for the first two missions this is a long time this is a couple hours and then you hit the third mission and they're like all right let's explain like 75 percent of the combat system to you right now <laughs> there's like so many other things you could do so you can you can uh there's a button combination where you can like yank on the chain and pull your yourself to the the monster and then anything on the path from you to the monster you like you can hit on the way and i think that's like the core mechanic of the game because there's also you're you're running around with a left stick and you can use the right stick to independently control where he goes and you're basically controlling two characters at once and then like you weave him through a bunch of enemies the chain interacts with everybody oh so you like weave it around a bunch of people and then drag yourself to the monster and then you like hit a bunch of people on the way and it's super fun to do it also makes you way more mobile and way easier to dodge attacks there's like special um instances where you'd want to like like an enemy will indicate they're going to charge and then like you spread the chain across where they're going to charge and and you kind of like catch them with it and throw them back that's super cool and satisfying to do um you can run him around an enemy to where the chain wraps completely around and then it does like this um like capture like lock in place thing where you basically stun them for a while um and then you can do other crazy stuff like your regular attacks can combo into like combo attacks with the monster if you like time your attacks right there's like a there's like a flash that happens and you've got to hit like the command button at that time to like combo into other attacks and you can do crazy stuff like somebody hits you across the screen he can like save you and throw you back at the people um, it's just a bunch of really crazy stuff and like it's way more dynamic and 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 fun than I originally thought it was going to be. It's crazy that you have to get all the way through those first two missions, even get to the point where they're like, hey, this game gets fun. Yeah, I don't know. It was weird. Like I was kind of into it because the story seems pretty interesting and like the aesthetic and the the atmosphere and like the setting were all really cool. Um, so I was like, I, yeah, I'll see where it goes. I'll, I'll see how far I can get into this. Um, but I hit a boss at the end of the second chapter that was just kicking my butt. And if I, f I feel like if they explained any of the other combat stuff before that, it would have been a cakewalk, mm. but it was just like, I can't, I can't even avoid this damage. And so there's other kind of mechanics, like you can purchase, um, you don't have regenerating health, so you can purchase medicine at base that you can use when you're out in the field. And then also you can find stuff in the field that's like temporary items. So there's a distinction between stuff that you own and you keep and stuff that you find and that will go away at the end of the mission. Because when you complete the mission, they're like, all right, all the temporary stuff that you found goes away now. So you better use it during the mission, which I actually really appreciate because that stuff I'm just like spam using because I'm going to lose it at the end anyway. Uh, stuff that you know, I could keep for later. I'm a little bit more hesitant to use. And I feel like I would be that way with everything if they didn't just say they're going to take it away. 
Um, and then there's other cool stuff like you're leveling up your your dude um, down these different skill trees that'll give him different abilities. And then there's a little bit of um, near stuff in there with like the remember in near they had like the memory system where you could like load passives. Yeah. And and like the memory space and you mm-hmm. can, like slot stuff in and out. That that's totally in there. Get to um, your OS chip and die. Can you do that? <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, you cannot do that. But you can load different passives into your your monster dude, and like he's basically got what is essentially a memory space. That's cool. That you can swap stuff in and out for. I really like that mechanic. Um, yeah, and then just like the characters are kind of cool, and the dialogue is pretty good. I switched it to Japanese. I was originally playing in English. And a couple of the voice actors, like not all the voice actors, most of it was fine, but a couple of the voice actors, I was just like, man, that's not good. (laughs) Uh, So I switched it to Japanese much better. My biggest gripe with this game is that the person you're playing as is a silent protagonist. But in the beginning, you can choose (laughs) to be either the male or the female, and whichever one you don't choose has a voice throughout the game. (laughs) What? So both characters are voiced. But so, just not when you're playing as them. But, but, but why? <laughs> that hurts. A lot of, I think a lot of developers think that like if the character doesn't have a voice, you can get more into like being that character. I was yeah. just going to say I that. Particularly you know, like, don't identify like it. as it, them. It seems to be well, no. a um, like Japanese mindset because a lot of the developers that do that are like Nintendo did it with um, Fire Emblem. Mm-hmm. That like everybody else is talking to you just fine, but you're silent. And you just waved your arms about, and they're like, "Oh, I know what you're saying." <laughs> yeah, and so I just kind of feel like it's some sort of mindset that they think that that is exactly as you said that people can be the character then because they don't have a voice. But at the same time, you know, Link or uh, Mario say stuff not often, but you still hear like the you know, "Woohoo, it's me." Or whatever, mm. and that doesn't take me out of them be like you know me playing as Mario. I'm I'm no longer looking at it being like ah I'm not Mario. Like I still think that while I play the game. So just just voice people, man. <laughs> I if, think if it's, it's maybe there, maybe in other cultures that is like a more desired thing. Like maybe in Japan, people really do like that the characters don't speak much. I think it's um, more immersion breaking to not have them say anything and like. The the conversations are like awkwardly stilted, like Oh yeah. It's just I, so weird. The the only thing that I could think of is that it's also a safe bet because you if you don't have a voice actor to it, you don't have a voice that people could be against. But I've never <laughs> heard anyone going, Ugh, can't play Halo, that Master Chief voice is just too gruff for me. <laughs> You know, like, I, I just feel like there are reasons for it, but none of it makes sense to me, and therefore just just voice your characters. Did Master Chief speak before, like... I don't think he actually spoke in the first game? couple games. No, yeah. he, he speaks in the first game. He does? See, yeah. Man, I should know this. I am ashamed right It's now. probably in, like, one cutscene, huh? Probably. Like, I mean, he, <laughs> he speaks a little bit in the cutscenes, but it's not a lot. He speaks a <laughs> fuck ton in the second and the third. Like he's he's not a. Yeah, I extensive... spoke in the third one, but I didn't think he yeah. did much in the first two. I I'm pretty sure that like he does because he like tells people like move aside when he jumps into um uh, when he jumps into the escape pod. 
to mm-hmm. fly off the pillar of autumn when they're crashing onto the ring. And Cortana's doing all of the dialogue, but he speaks. Hmm. I wonder um, if, if there are games where it's actually pretty good. Like, I wonder if if Half-Life were fully voiced, how different it would be, and if it would be better or worse. I don't know how you would know. Half-Life 3, Gordon's fully voiced. I, I just, I, <laughs> every time I think about a character that I like playing, they all are I, iconic voice. Like, I hear the engineer from TF2. I hear Farrah, you know? Yeah. Like, I I hear these people Draw. and these characters. <laughs> I can't think of characters that I like are just silent that I was like, oh, I'm so glad. Hell, even your characters in like Animal Crossing make a little like Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm also happy to announce I already found Best Girl in Astral Chain. Oh yeah, Best Girl? Um yeah, so at the beginning of or like in between the second and third mission, when they go to explain like all of the systems to you. Uh, the person that does it, like, you're you're in base, and then, like, s- this person falls down next to you. They're in, like, a giant dog mascot outfit, <laughs> and the head falls off, and there's this little girl inside of it. Her name's Mary. And she quickly puts the dog head back on and tells you that sh- her name is Lappy. <laughs> and Lappy goes on to explain all the systems to you. Oh, my gosh. That's and she amazing. completely acts like, like, later you see her again, not in the suit, and she's like... Hey, what's what's going on? And you're like, where's Lappy? And she's like, Lappy, uh, you know, he's he's probably you know out somewhere like <laughs> doing something. And she's like, completely plays it off like she's not in the costume at all. <laughs> <laughs> That's and so also, ridiculous. I love that. The entire time she's like, one, part of that mission is you have to go around to the different areas of the base. And every time you get to an area, you're like, all right, cool. And then Lappy just appears somewhere, like very creepily, <laughs> like around a corner where he wasn't before, or just like right over your shoulder, or just like uh, just we- random appearances. And like is- your character freaks out every time. <laughs> That's it's good. the best. Is Lappy a girl or a boy? Lappy, I don't know. I guess I think he's a boy. Okay. The dog is. Just curious, yeah. Speaking of best girl, just gotta jump on this real quick. Owen, you did uh, Black Eagles, right? Who's who's best girl in, in Three Houses? I didn't do Black Eagles. I was Gordon oh, Deer. Oh, I see. Who was best but girl? But I stole um, not Dorothea. Mercedes. Yeah, Dorothea. Yeah. I, I, if you're I a male protagonist, Dorothea. you can recruit her regardless of stats or anything. Oh, can you really? Yeah. Same oh. for if you're a female pr- uh, protagonist, you can do Syl- you can pick up Sylvain. Yeah, I picked up Sylvain instantly. I tried really hard to get Dorothea, and then like I just barely got Ash. Mm. But for some reason, when the time jump happened, he was on the other team. Oh, like he wasn't he wasn't part of my crew. But when I defeated him, because I guess I already recruited him before, like there was an option instead of like just doing the death animation. Yeah. It was just like, do you want to spare him? And I nice. was like, yeah, because <laughs> why the fuck is he not currently part of my squad? Yeah, that's good. No, best uh, girl. Best girl's Petra. I like no, Petra is really high up, but Petra. Petra, Petra was girl. the one I was working to next, but I just didn't have like the time. Yeah. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard to recruit people in that game. Yeah, it very much is. Sorry, uh, just had, an, had an aside. I'll go next. Uh, now that we're forty minutes into the podcast, I'll go ahead and start <laughs> talking about what I've played lately. 
Um, I actually played a lot of board games recently. Alex was out here, and so we went to a board game bar that's local to Kansas City, and it's a really cool place. Um, and you just pay five bucks, and you can just be there as long as you want. Now, granted, they're going to make money off of you buying drinks and food or whatnot, but five bucks is a pretty good deal for just getting to try out a bunch of board games. And their selection is freaking huge. Um, we played a couple things specifically. We played Flashpoint Fire Rescue, which apparently is a game that's been out for a long time, but I've never played it. And it is a really cool, quick-paced, um, kind of like turn-based game where you're just moving tiles and putting out fires and trying to rescue people. Uh, and the sort of main goal is to rescue a certain number of uh, people without them dying. Where at the same time, kind of like all of these fires are like spreading, there's explosions, you're breaking down walls. Um, and, you know, and if you have too much of the house break out, it just collapses and the game is over. So it was cool. It was like it had that like uh, almost like pandemic like feel. We played a first round and it was like meant for like family setting. So it was like a dumbed down version. And then we played a follow up round with characters. And so you kind of like pick characters that have abilities. One of them could, for instance, rescue somebody and move them quicker. One of them could get on a freaking fire, like a water cannon on top of the fire truck and put out water, put out fire. Um, Just just all around cool game. I think we really enjoyed playing it uh we also played another game called untold adventures await which i think alex and i agree that this is like a um oh shoot what's the name of that rpg we played fiasco fiasco it's like fiasco light uh because you are rolling the, the game is made um or sold with story dice i don't know if you guys ever use story dice but you can just buy them off amazon for whatever you want to use them for but you're just rolling the story dice and then you're placing them on these little cards that flip over and it's like a progression of one episode of a TV show that you're like directing, for lack of better words. And you're kind of like acting out the character that you are. Um, and all the while you're using the story dice to help like move and progress the story forward. Interesting. And of course, in our game, because it was just the three of us and Janae was there, uh, it was the non-wizarding world of Harry Potter. <laughs> and uh alex played detective uh what was your first name manuel ah detective emmanuel journal and we were in <laughs> paris i know he was the we're in paris we were in paris <laughs> wow. okay uh in like i think it was like the 1920s or 1930s or so. i think it was 1930s and he was playing detective i was playing like an expat from texas who was living in paris because i was chasing a girl apparently uh, and Janae was playing, of course, uh, an Auror. So she was actually a wizard, but oh we didn't know gosh. she was a wizard. What the heck? <laughs> it was like, I think we literally ended up playing like the role-playing version of uh, the Grindelwald, the, the first one. Um, yeah. Fantastic Beasts. But it was really good. And then you get to like pick... It's, it's really light. I feel like it was like a light version of how to get into kind of that like storytelling or just completely role playing uh, game uh, realm um, because you got to pick your character and then you got to pick some of your special abilities. Like I had a sword cane. Alex had slow mo deduction, which was just freaking ridiculous every time he used it. Um, slow mo deduction, but, like uh, basically Sherlock, like looking yeah. at everything in the scene. And <laughs> <laughs> Literally, we get to a scene and Alex would be like, you like activate an ability and be like, I'm going to use slow mo deduction. <laughs> oh, I learned everything about you. It's fine. We're, we're, I, I know everything about you. You're chasing a girl. That's why you're here. <laughs> but 
It was the idea fun. was was like Janae was trying to prevent us from learning about magic, but I was investigating a string of murders that were committed by magic and like couldn't mm-hmm. put together like why they were happening or how. But also, I, I have slow-mo deduction, so I figured oh it out. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and I was just a taxi driver who came upon the first scene where the girl died. And apparently, I am the worst navigator, period, in Paris for a taxi driver. Because we wow. tried to get to the Eiffel Tower at one point. Not only did I fail miserably, but I took us to the complete wrong side of town. And then it took <laughs> us longer to get there. Yeah, so that's the, that's the actual mechanic. The Eiffel Tower. Yeah, yeah. So that's the actual like mechanic of the game is you're going to declare like an action that you're going to do and an outcome you're trying to get, and then you flip the like result deck card, and it'll tell you if you did it or not, and or mm. if like you did it with like a side effect, or if you did it, uh, or if you didn't do it, but like something good there's, like eventually came out of it. There's six results. So there's three yeah. that are successes and three that are failures, and within each of those three, there's like a perfect success. Then there's a success plus and a success minus, like you succeeded, but there was an alternate side effect from what happened. Yeah. And then vice versa for not. And it'll tell you that, and then you just have to like make up what that actually means, you know? Gotcha. I so mean, we all had we all had character sheets in an episode sheet. We played through one episode, but on the character sheet, it has like extra special abilities that you gain for like episode three, seven, eleven. You know, like, so you're supposed to play this game with the same characters over and over and over and develop them in, like, this story world. Interesting. Yeah. That seems neat. It's a cool concept. Um, it sounds kind of like, well, at least the broad concept sounds a lot like a, a role-playing game I played once called Microscope. And the whole goal of that is you're essentially creating a different, an RPG world that you could use in, like, a game. Oh, you told me about that. And you right. you'd like you create this entire like timeline for the world and how it works and stuff, and, and then like, you role could, play out various sections. You could go take that and then actually do an RPG in it. Yeah, in that world, that's you build. what this sounds like because you're like building the world as you play out this RPG, right? Yeah, kind yeah. of. But we're also like acting things out, right? Yeah, which is I don't know. That part was really fun. I don't think Janae is as much into it as as I was, but this is it was a fun game. Um, we also played a lot of Spirit Island. Uh, Man, I a lot. We played two games of it, and let me tell you, very few games, board games, where I'm like, I am really good at this game. <laughs> but I'm pretty sure I'm really good at that game. I'm pretty sure Alex <laughs> is really good at that game, and I'm pretty sure Janae's really good at that game because we dominated both games <laughs> we played, and we played with three different characters uh, both times. We just I destroyed. Freaking conquistadors can get out. <laughs> uh, that game is the- so freaking cool yeah it's really good the concept that you are like spirits on this island that it is inhabited and there's a whole backstory that's inhabited by those guys that i can never ever remember the name of that are the natives dahan dahan i don't know why i can't remember that whatever Aaron said dohan a lot (laughs) he said dohan like a bunch of times and then he got janae saying dohan and then she read (laughs) something in the book and it was dahan and she's like why are you saying dohan It's because he wants to say Gohan. <laughs> Gohan. <laughs> I still think the best part of that game is, though, that your moves, like your turns, are over the course of like a year. I love that. It's such a neat little, like, tiny thing right? in the rules that makes it really cool. Because it's <gasps> like every turn, all of these conquistadors show up. They build villages, they build cities. Cities? You're like, how did a city just pop up on that yeah. card flip? <laughs> but it's like it's your turn takes, takes over the course of like 
years or is it is it exactly one year i thought it was like decades it, it might I don't be think they maybe. say specifically but it's over okay. a long period a broad, of time yeah which is i think is really cool it's just a cool way to tie in the element of them populating the board mm-hmm. but make it feel like it makes sense right yeah, it's because a surprising amount of lore for what is just like a co-op board game that's not necessarily like a story-based game at all yeah. I mean, there's two full pages of lore, and it's not just about the island. Like, you can read in there, and they talk about, like, the developing London world. Uh, they talk <laughs> about the world war. I mean, it's crazy stuff. Yeah. They talk about a bunch of spirits that aren't actually in the game. That, too. <laughs> and also, Correct. each spirit has its own lore. Yes. Yep. Oh, man. It's really, it's really, really good game. I don't know if Alex told you, but there's ways to, like, make the game more difficult, essentially. Oh, yeah. Okay. We were going to do one, and Janae was like, I'm tired (laughs) for the regular version. There's the the one that I think is really cool is instead of uh, generating fear by your actions, you just don't do fear at all, and you have to do the The ritual of fear. Ritual, yeah. And once you succeed at that three times, the game's over, which I think is neat because there's so many parameters you have to have like in a row, which feels like... You're going to get overrun, but once you do the ritual, I'm sure it will just wreck the board, which would be Mm -hmm. good. You know, it's a good combo of things. I don't know. We should say, like, the basics of what this game is, because we haven't said that at all. That's true. Have we not talked about Spirit Island in the past? I don't don't think think we have, because I think Alex and I have probably only played it in the last month, right? (laughs) Well, the basics are, uh, you are playing spirits, all of which have very much, like, native terminologies for probably how they would describe them. Mm, yep. Thunderous voice. Uh, what's the ocean called? The, the ocean, ocean's the hungry, hungry ocean. grasp. The ocean's hungry grasp. It's just like a concept of what the spirit would be. Yeah. If you're playing these spirits. Uh, the background is that the Dahan came and moved in and there was like a big battle between the spirits and the Dahan, but finally they realized they could live in uh, and, and, and cohab- cohabitate. Cohabitate? Is that a good word? Sure. Cohabit. Cohabit. Whatever. Uh, they could both live on and exist in the island with no problem. But then the conquistadors show up and they decide that they're going to basically build cities and villages and plunder the land. And so your job as or your, your goal as the spirit is to drive the conquistadors out. And that's typically done by, um, you know, scaring them or generating fear and or like destroying their uh, explorers, villages, or cities with some of your actions, all of which are generated by um, a, a deck of cards that you're kind of building on and then replenishing. Uh, and there's some like special abilities per character too, which is I don't know. It's it's a it's a cool concept. Um, what else have I been playing? Two other things I've been playing. Uh, some video game stuff, real quick. Overwatch. I don't know why I'm so in Overwatch right now, but I can't get enough of it. It's ridiculous. I yeah, you're on a Do, kick, man. All three of you kind of. Well, Owen has always been on an Overwatch kick, I guess. But yeah. the two of you are, have been playing yeah. a whole bunch of. Is it rolls? Some of us have like never so much? stopped. Like, I think what? I do. I think I do. Um, I don't like to admit it, but yeah, roll <laughs> kill. <laughs> Is this because you were maybe a little against it when you first I heard was about uh, it? Mostly against it, and I still don't like. <laughs> The implications of what it means, but it has made it a better experience. Yeah, I think I, that was their whole goal. I enjoy just having people to be able to actually play competitive with. Yeah, like when I, I feel like I've tuned in to like who my mains are at this point. 
you know, I can like pick a couple characters that I know that I can play. I better understanding team comps, which makes it more enjoyable. So I don't feel like I'm just like a side story and the main push. Um, it, the game, like the balance feels better. I'm not, I don't get as upset about people not being able to perform in their respective, like, you know, DPS or tank or um, healing categories because I can't switch. There's not much I can do about it. I just got to deal with it. But I don't know. I th- I think I like the role queue. Yeah, I, I I like just being able to actually like play with you guys just because after a year of being in relatively the same ELO um, mm-hmm. and like kind of climbing a little bit, but not a lot, uh, th- there's not really a ton of motivation for me to play it a bunch. Other than just, oh, hey, like, let me just do a couple rounds and have some fun and de-stress after work. And so then, like, I don't really find myself playing it as much anymore. But then I see you guys on and I'm like, oh, let me hop in on this. Let me yeah. let me join in because then I can be like the third team member, or the other t- second team member or whatever. And that just, you know, it's it's always fun playing games with your friends. Yep. Yeah. Uh, I have also been and sorry about this, Owen. We've also been playing a lot of Borderlands 3. Not a lot, maybe, but a little Not bit. Not a lot. We've played some. Um, man, that game is cool. Yeah. I'm not... Oh, not sold, huh? I'm not super sold on it. It feels like they didn't add a whole lot to bring it above and beyond Borderlands 2. Or Borderlands pre-sequel, maybe. I never played the pre-sequel, so... I mean, the, really. the pre-sequel's a slight upgrade from 2. Okay. As this feels like a slight upgrade from two. It feels like a slight upgrade, and it's been a long time since two. As an outsider that hasn't played the game, um, I've heard that the jokes in it are really bad. I mean, the jokes in it are a lot like the jokes in two. Yeah. So there's a lot of bad jokes, and there's like an occasional joke where I'm like, "Huh, that's pretty funny." It's a good yeah, pun, but that's like as much as it gets. There's not a lot. They're like, oh, it's really good. There's not like any of those, really. I think the character abilities is what, like, the best part of the game for me. Yeah. Just, like, the combinations of things that are going on. Um, it makes it feel less like... Yeah, it just makes it le- feel less like Borderlands 2. I think if it didn't have that, it would just literally be the same game with just, like, better graphics. Yeah, the yeah if they had the same added, classes. I think Everything. the only things they really... I think they really what? I was gonna let you answer, Alex. Oh, question. what? Uh, I didn't hear. I didn't even hear your question because Caleb was talking. <laughs> oh, Shut up, Caleb. All right. Saying, are you saying like if they had the same classes as Borderlands Two? Yeah. But since they have four new characters, correct. It just feels different. It's, it's nice guy. that excluding those kind of each character has three skills that they can choose from mm-hmm. at like any time. Most kind of has the same skill for everybody but or for each tree and just different weapons she applies to it but everybody else has got three skills and that's what that's what three times as many as each of the f- people had in Borderlands 2 and before. Correct. So that's not bad. Yeah. And they added what mantling and sliding which is fine that's just a quality of life upgrade which is decent. Yep. Uh, guns do feel a little more interesting in this than they felt in 2 uh, um, because they, there's a lot are... of weird perks for the guns that are really interesting loot tables are great for me oh my gosh yeah I have problems with a loot table <laughs> gosh 
and like, I've gotten some drops. Aaron's got like three legendaries. Nobody else has gotten any. Yeah, I have gotten three legendaries. You got three like legendaries. The... I've never even got a pink. Dude, my whole freaking my backpack is just full of uh blue and and purples or pinks or whatever color that is, and three legendaries. That's it. Nothing else in there. I don't there. understand. I have mostly greens. How can Couple you have blues. mostly greens? I think I have one purple. I don't even have greens. I don't even pick up greens. I don't know, man. It's it's so annoying. Why? The uh, the shooting itself, I feel like, feels a little bit better than what I remember. The I think the guns feel better. I think the enemies feel way more bullet spongy. They feel the same. Like it's always been like that. I feel like I don't think so because I I pull up a sniper rifle in this game and I have to shoot somebody three times in the head to kill them. Borderlands two, one pop dead. Mm. Yeah, I mean it depends. I mean it depends on how leveled you are versus what we're fighting. Sure, but I'm talking about things that are on our level. You snipe head, headshot with the sniper rifle, one shot will knock all them. Unless you well, have also, like a whole bunch of weird buffs happening. I also feel like the first world was not necessarily very active. It was kind of slow. The missions weren't necessarily like there's not a lot of big battles. But like right when you walk into the second onto the second planet, uh, and you go get a big giant gunfight, and it was it felt a lot better. It felt a lot more interactive and kind of teamworky, and it was just good. It, yeah. The gunplay felt good there. Yeah, we haven't played too much of the second world honestly but the second world does feel a lot better than the first one i think you're right yeah yeah uh yeah the I joke's guess, not really there yeah like the their writing, whole thing this really time there. is is you go to different planets or whatever uh but we've only been to one other one so far and it feels the same as pandora pretty much like, yeah. I don't know. It doesn't doesn't seem that different it's not like it it could it feels definitely just similar, be but... a different area of the map on pandora it could, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Caleb, what have you been playing? I've been playing a lot of things, man. 55 lot, minutes into this podcast. What have you been All playing? Right. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm going to go from worst to best. This is what I'm doing for my list. All right. Ooh. I play this game called Aetherborn. I refunded it. It's not very good. It's a, <laughs> it's a very, Bear. very, yeah. It's a very slow puzzle game. Kind of like, it's kind of like, um, what's that mobile game, Monument? Is that what it's called? Monument? Monument Valley. There we go. It's kind of Monument Valley-esque, except that there are long sections where you walk, and that is all you do for that section. And it Ew. is very boring. It also speaks this story at you that is completely irrelevant to the gameplay. And I'm not sure why it exists. So yeah, game's not very good. I wouldn't advise picking it up. Uh, I also played Gravitas, which this is a free puzzle game on Steam took me about 40 minutes to beat maybe less than that uh but it's a pretty solid like portal-esque um puzzle game so if you're, if you're looking for something free it's free on steam um short little puzzle game it's pretty good i've been playing a bunch of stone story rpg and by playing i mean leaving on in the background because it's essentially a clicker game but oh, more interesting it looks so cool it's all it's all ascii characters right all ascii yep uh, and if you've played a dark room, it feels a lot like a dark room, except a little more involved uh, until you unlock specific things. But pretty interesting. You can like forge new weapons to fight enemies and upgrade them with 
uh, more power and then also get like magical enchantments to add to them. You're going through like a quest line where you have to find these seven stones that you put together and you can like solve the world's problems. I don't really know, but it's pretty cool. Uh, it's worth just throwing on in the background to farm a bunch of stuff and then actually going through the quest line. Uh, next up, I guess, is Borderlands 3. We talked about that. Never mind. It's fine. It's all right. <laughs> uh, I played and beat Blasphemous. Blasphemous came out super recently. It's a pixel art Metroidvania uh, with some pretty Souls-esque combat. Lots of dodge rolling and parrying. It's, it's pretty good. It's really pretty. It's super gruesome. Like, Ooh. super yeah. gruesome art. <laughs> Uh, but it's it's pretty solid metroidvania it took me like 10 hours to play, beat i think i got both endings there's two press press uh but it's got some pretty neat mechanics it's also got some things that i hate all right in games that are like souls like just instant death sucks like you fall into a pit instantly die you fall in spikes it's like that hurts so much it's so much progress undone and i hate it but <laughs> other than that game's really solid it's got some really cool boss fights in it um, I also played a Plague Tale. Uh, that game's pretty solid. It's kind of a walking simulator plus stealth mechanics. Uh, it's got a pretty interesting story, and like, I think it genuinely evokes some terror at times. So it's it's pretty solid in the atmosphere. If you're looking for something kind of slow and stealthy, scary. maybe a little bit scary. Alex, that uh, right up your alley. Pretty solid. It's it's less like I'm scared sitting here playing. It's more like I'm terrified for the characters and what oh, is happening. That kind of scared. <laughs> got, it, yeah. got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got Does it. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay. But I think it evokes a lot of that, so that's that's pretty cool. I mean, it's always my fear. <laughs> well, <laughs> then probably probably not good for you then. Because my fear uh, always stems from. Like, why would I move towards the scary noise? Like, if I was this character, I would leave. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, well, why would I go towards the scary noise? But to progress the story, I have to. You might run into that problem in a Plague Tale. Though, I think for the most part, there's pretty good story reasons to go. It's not just like you're exploring a scary house, right? From everything I've like, seen there's in a Plague Tale, it seems fine. Like, there's I'll a be good fine. story playing out. And there's like reasons that you do the scary things you do. But it's actually pretty solid. Um, I would advise picking it up. I also played Control. Finally finished this. Alex, how much have you played of Control? Um, an not amount. enough. An amount. Okay. Well, a few I think, hours. I think Control is really, really cool. Uh, first of all, it looks amazing. Looks real good. Do you have an RTX card? Yeah. Oh yeah. Looks real good. You got an RTX card? Yeah. Did I not tell you since that? when? I don't know. I got a one a while ago. What'd you get? What? I got a 2070 Super. Hey, that's what I have. I Great minds think alike. I definitely did not gotcha. know this. I thought I told you this. Which 2070 Super did you get? Did you get EVGA it? Black or something? Oh, yeah. Did you get it before you started playing Control? Yeah. Did you get the free copy of Control you're supposed to get? I've had yeah. conversations with you. You got a free copy of... What? I've definitely had conversations with you where you talked about how good the reflections and control look, and yeah. I've responded in that 
Yeah, they look good for you, but wait until like you have an RTX version. See, one time you did say something similar that you didn't say anything about RTX specifically. I think you said you think they look good. And I was like, what does that even mean? <laughs> it's because you didn't have an RTX card as far as I knew. <laughs> well, I did. Sorry about that. Gosh. Anyway, yeah, the refle- it is the reflections in that game. They look they crazy, look crazy. Good. Oh it's my insane. gosh. Like, there's these little TVs sometimes that you watch, like, a little program on. They're terrifying little puppet creatures that act something out. But you, like, walk up to it and you start watching it. And you can see your reflection, like, barely on the screen as you're watching it. And it looks mm. so good. It's just... It's perfect. Man, the RTX in it is really, really Man, good. Man, what kind of settings are you? Are you running, um, 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 um what is that DLSS? thing? Yeah. I was for a while, but I actually mm-hmm. just, I just, at some point I decided to turn it off and ran on uh, lower ren- render resolution. Right. And I think I liked that more because it looked a little more sharp. Okay, I hmm. think the way to go is DLSS plus... There's an NVIDIA sharpening filter you can get. Yes, I heard about the, I didn't play it. I heard about the sharpening filter after I finished the game, but I heard the sharpening filter makes it look crazy good. You base, It basically looks like native resolution. It's, mm. it's really good. Man, I'm upset that I didn't know about that before. Because I'm like mm, running dang. DLSS at like 1080p and then using the... I mean, DLSS upscales itself and then mm-hmm. you sharpen it with that filter and it looks... Pretty much like it does at 4K native. Yeah. Except for it actually runs at 60. My DLSS, I don't know how DLSS really works, but I can't DLSS at 1080. It, DLSS, it does some yeah, weird resolution. It's, it's based on what your native resolution is, and they have be. a couple of set resolutions you can set it to. Okay. Because there's like an AI that processes the images. Right. And it's been trained in such a way that it needs to be at specific resolutions. Ah, is That's that what so it is? That's so crazy. I was... I knew basically how it worked, but I didn't know why it had like the chosen the resolutions it chose. That's interesting. But getting back to control, I guess a little bit. It's super solid. If you like, for me, it brings out a whole bunch of the like feelings I guess that I had when I played the Half Life games. Like, there's a genuine feeling of exploration and discovery of this world that you don't know anything about. And there's some foreign entity that's invading and you have to deal with them. It feels very much like Half-Life. And I think that's a very good thing. And there's later it adds some like side missions you can do that are interesting. At some point it adds like uh, randomly spawning events that you can do to like gain skill levels and whatnot. I didn't do much of those because I thought that they would just wear me out. So I did like one or two, and I was like, all right, that's, that's, that's good. But I did all the side missions, and those are pretty interesting, and they give you some good um, like skill experience and whatnot. And the game is super interesting. The world is super-duper cool. I don't know how I don't have much more to say about it. You, you said a lot. Else? Yeah. I've um, played some of it. Yeah, I mean, the powers are fun. Yeah, powers are fun, that's true. There's just like tons of collectibles around that all have like unique writing. And yeah, there are. The unique writing is always, there's always like a nugget of something interesting in there. So it's like worth reading yeah. everything. I read every single one that I ever picked up because they all had something interesting going on. And it's just like weird stuff you don't understand. And also it's like putting a weird like, um, 
what's the word? Spin? Oh my gosh. Mm. It's like weird sci-fi stuff, but in in like the veil of like it being like a government like run operation. So it's like typical like people complaining about their government jobs, but complaining <laughs> about like the weird supernatural <laughs> stuff they're seeing as if yeah. it's just mundane. Yeah. They're making very like reasonable complaints about very unreasonable experiences. Yeah. And there's one towards the very beginning of the game. There's like a memo that's talking about stuff you're not allowed to bring into the building. And it's like a bunch of like normal stuff. And then like you get to weird things like it lists number two pencils you're not allowed to have in there. <laughs> and then it says something like you can't have anything that's like a... um. What do they say? It's like a like a representation of like a like a medium or like like they they list like a rubber duck as the example like a something that everybody would recognize as like the mascot of a thing. Mm, yes, that's right. I remember that because you know there could be power behind that item or whatever, and yeah, it's just. The- the fact that all these powers come from like mundane items is pretty interesting. There's like a Seems... floppy disk. Uh, yeah. A carousel horse. It seems like a really cool duck. It's super cool. And also, it, a bunch of the lore in it makes it, it puts Alan Wake in the same universe. Whoa. And that like the things that are happening in this building you're in are related to like weird world events that have occurred and Alan Man. Wake all of Alan Wake is like that event it's... one of the events I have not played this game on principle that I have not received my free copy yet but I'm just about <laughs> to get to the point where I'm just gonna have to play it because I loved it's Alan Wake really good yeah, yeah. all their games are like game. in the same universe I can let you log in on my epic account I <laughs> hate epic okay I'll log in your right, epic account <laughs> but yeah apparently all their games are in the same universe because like Supposedly, there's something in Alan Wake that claims that the Max Payne <laughs> stories are written by Alan Wake. Oh, really? Like, they're uh, novels that he wrote. Wow. I'm pretty sure there is. Yeah, I remember, nice. actually, when I played that. I remember that, because he's sitting at a desk. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Nice. What a great yeah, like game. All their, all their games are in-universe. In I like that. That's cool. Uh, you been playing anything else? Before we move on to Owen at one hour and ten minutes into yeah. this podcast. Yeah, that's what happens like when we <laughs> skip a podcast, man. Too many games. I know. I, I don't know. know, man. I've I've got two games to talk about <laughs> in the month that we've had. Hey, you had one more up there earlier. I saw you take it down. Yeah, it was Overwatch, and we yeah. talked about that. Yeah. I don't need to continue talking about games that were already <laughs> mentioned. Oh. Anything else, Caleb? Nope, that's it. All right. Owen! Hey! What have you been playing, buddy? All right, so I've played two games, World of Warcraft, World Next Door. On to the next thing. No, you have to tell <laughs> us about World Next Door. I'm curious about it. All right. Um, yeah, so been playing a bit of WoW Classic um, just on my own, uh, and it's fine. It's WoW. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. It, it's exactly what I remember it being, which is kind of nice. It's also a pain in the ass on some aspects because it's exactly as I remember it. And I was like, right, 
you know, the quality of life stuff isn't here. The dumb things that you can do in the game are still here. Like, it's just, it's there. I'm uh, very curious that so many people are playing it due to the fact that, like, yeah, all of the quality of improvements they've made over years is just gone. Yeah, like, you know, you would weird. think that maybe those things being there are a good thing. Like, the reason I got back into it because everybody else was, and I was like, well, yeah, I want to play with all my friends again. Like, yeah, I get that. Unfortunately, Why everybody likes playing. <laughs> unfortunately, they just scattered to the goddamn winds on every other server and no one's on uh, the same server. So I was just like, well, what? I'm just what? here. <laughs> I picked the one that I had the most friends that said they're like, this is the server that they're on. Uh, it turns out they don't play. Uh, they're just on that server. So I was like, cool. Uh, just me. <laughs> but it's it's wow. Uh, World Next Door is fun i've played probably about three hours of it thus far uh for those that don't know the game is basically uh a kind of like the jeweled-esque line them up uh kind of puzzle thing but instead of just having like a cursor you're a person and you have to also run away from the monsters that are also running around on the board and like the map is laid out in different ways each time so sometimes there's like a gaping hole in the center or it's like in a figure eight pattern or whatever um it's neat i like the story thus far you basically just get trapped in this monster world and if you stay there too long you're gonna die so you and your monster friends are trying to find a way for you to get the fuck out (laughs) um it's it does what it needs to do i'm enjoying it immensely i'll give more uh updates as i complete the game is the dialogue pretty good so far yeah, I like the dialogue options. I don't really think it does much to change anybody's... Like, I I noticed the way that they write all of the responses. It covers any option that you pick. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't actually do anything dialogue-wise. But, sure. I mean, I like this, you know, how the characters converse right, with each other. Right, um, okay. You know, nobody's uh, voice acted, so I don't feel weird that I'm a silent protagonist. Everybody's silent. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I do like that the kind of like menu control screen kind of thing. Um, when you go into that, it basically turns your switch into like a cell phone. Hmm. And so you have to like click on people's names and like text them to join your party for the next thing. Oh, interesting. Uh, and, and I was like, that's kind of neat. That's like a cool way to do like a menu. Yeah. It's, it's like you, you kind of do it as like a, a cell phone thing and, and make it uh make make it work so yeah Yeah. that's kind of what i've been playing recently okay okay guys we made it man there's a lot of what i've been playing it's good we did good alex only took like 30 minutes 40 caleb only took like 20 minutes 30 okay fine 40 and 30 (laughs) fine 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 let's talk about other game stuff like ash ketchum yeah can we talk about the fact that ash ketchum after 22 goddamn years, has finally won a league. Oh, really? Um, yeah, he, he's the league champion of wherever the fuck he currently is. Go you, <laughs> Ash. Um, but yeah, he, he did it. So kids, keep, keep following your dreams, and maybe 22 years later, you also <laughs> wow. can be the very best. Uh, I think he's, isn't is he still technically best? 10? He's still technically ten year old uh, in canon, yeah. which doesn't make any fucking sense. Uh, 
but I would say is every corporation's dream. 22 years of experience and only 10 years old. So <laughs> <laughs> entry level position. Bachelor's exactly. 20 years of experience. Must have already completed the game to qualify playing the game. Yeah, that's pretty good. I saw some stuff about this and I was looking at some of the articles and they showed some of the like the art they're comparing art of the show over the years. The yes. new art looks terrible. I hate it. Well, it was I... interesting because the I know the reason why the art changed. They changed the artwork so that way the newer Pokemon seem simplistic like the older Pokemon are. However, weird. Yeah, the problem is the fact that the older Pokemon are more detailed than the current gen Pokemon. Uh, it's just the fact that we got like used to better graphics and better animation and things, so they had to like scale back their animation and make it like almost like chibi versions of things and change how they design their Pokemon so that way it's different. So yeah, it's interesting that that's a thing and it's a constant complaint about when they add new things to the game and to the shows of just being like well you know this looks really weird compared to you know if you take a Bulbasaur and then you take I don't know whatever the grass type is in the new one um it, it, it's it just looks very different it's a very different style uh but they're all in the same universe yeah, looks bad. Apparently, apparently, it only takes twenty-one days, nine hours, and thirty minutes to watch all of Pokemon. So that it could have, could have happened in only like a a year, right? I no mean, big deal. I'm pretty sure that they kind of like mention that like Ash gets lost in the woods for a couple of weeks in the first season. <laughs> I would be very intrigued to see like if somebody actually plots out all of the time and time jumps yeah. because there's definitely like new days and things to see if he's actually still 10. I feel like he's probably somehow He's like older. 36. Yeah. Like. <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe not quite to like the 20s, but definitely has like increased in age a little bit. <laughs> Uh, in other gaming news, um, ESA had a leak for their uh, E3 2020 pitch. Yeah, we all know they're what? very good at not leaking things. <laughs> yeah, I was yeah, going to say so E3 good. is always good about leaking everything that they ever do. Uh, so I guess recently they had a um, a presentation to like the platform holders to kind of like pitch what their ideas for E3 2020 are. And that whole deck leaked out. So there's a bunch of information about like they want to switch. They want to shift it to be a like a quote fan media and influencer festival. Freaking, I'm not rather, going to hate influencers. <laughs> rather than just like a a media event, um, they're already letting people in, but they're talking about letting in way more regular people and making it more like a PAX essentially. Yeah, yeah I was, was gonna say to this ask. sounds like it sounds like they're trying to just do packs. It says yeah. 10,000 public badges, which would make total attendance 25,000. So, so, yeah, not, not as much as PAX. <laughs> no. <laughs> but they'll, they'll probably continue to go down that route. And um, the problem, like uh, last year, for instance, one of the major complaints about the public stuff is like 
the lines are so insanely long to see anything. Like you get to play like one game a day, essentially. Oh my goodness. And so their solutions to that are is something called uh cutainment, I think is what they're calling it. So there's like this is you're gonna, gonna be just, so dumb, isn't it? You're yep. just gonna yep. be standing in lines forever and they're gonna come by with like entertainment stuff for the line like people in line can participate oh in cutainment so I, <laughs> I have i have a better solution to this which is literally just the same way they do uh like passes to disney rides and just to be like i want to go see x y and z and then they say okay cool you are in x y and z show up at roughly this time and that is when your batch you can like go in i think they're still gonna have the same problem though because like the day starts everybody lines up for this game you get in line you get your time slot you leave but now all of the other time slots for all of the other games are already filled up but i think that's my my point though is that like you before you even get to the the convention itself you have already signed up for your time slots. Same so you problem, can go, I think, right? They open the online time slots. Everybody starts signing up. You get signed up for one. The other ones are filled. Yeah. Oh. I mean, yeah, the other ones are full, but then you know that you, you're you not going to... You know what's going to be open and what's not. Yeah, you I mean, can, it helps vaguely. It doesn't help you see more games. It just helps you not stand in line. Yeah, and that's exactly my point, is that then you know I show up at this time, I play this game. Look, here's the solution. Go to PAX. Yeah. yeah. PAX does it really is, goddamn well. Are the lines really long because there's not a lot of things being shown and because they're all like media demo length? I think, yes. I think that's probably the problem. There's like the new stuff, the new hotness. It's not like there's thousands of indie games on the floor. Right. It's the big stuff at E3, you know? So there's a few things to go look at. It's all the big stuff that everybody wants to see. Mm hmm. It's a real problem. Yeah. So along with the cutainment stuff, they they specifically call out that they want to use that to market to the people in line. <laughs> so they oh, basically no. have you as a captive audience forcing you to be entertained by this cutainment that's also just advertising oh, to you the whole time. No. So good. Man. Makes you want to go to E3 already, huh? There's also I'm, like I just bought a ticket right now. <laughs> I mean, wow. There's a bunch of weird like seedy stuff in this in this like this obviously was never meant to be seen by the public because they're talking about like <laughs> Um, how millennials and Gen Z are the most uh, quote giving back and quote social good generations ever and so they want to try to capitalize on that by like mm. amplifying their social good brand mm. so they don't necessarily care about okay. anything but they want to do something to make them seem like they care about social good so that we'll like them yes yeah, so that's CD but I assume every company does exactly that sure. also it oh, yeah. sounds like a bunch of old people are doing their planning <laughs> for lines Oh, they say, Gen Z is uh, <laughs> most socially um, empowering. We should we should advertise to them while we're there. Uh, they talk about how to do this. They can like implement partnering with influencers who are passionate about social good efforts like gender equality, and they call out STEM for some mm-hmm. reason. Like they science, technology, now, engineering, and mathematics. Yeah, that, people started I don't know calling why. it STEAM and yeah, science, technology, engineering, arts, and mathematics. Yeah, I don't know how yeah. arts fits in there, but hey, I, I have seen it. that. Stop it! Stop it! It's important. It is. Um, and then they also like finally they're like, we can just get a lot of celebrities to like make appearances and like 
You know, you want to see like an NBA champion playing the new NBA game? Like that that could be an event at E3. <laughs> I actually that. This... just read an article the other day about all of the celebrities that they've had play games at giant conventions like E3 and it's it's like always cringe fest because they're <laughs> mm-hmm. they're not good at games. Right. Because that's not what they like their passion is elsewhere. It's not video games. So you like tie somebody to play a game and they're just like the worst and they always tie them up with like a really good like pro gamer, you know, that team them up, and they'd be like, "Hey, great, great job, man!" The other guy's like, "Hey, how do I, how do I open this chest?" Yeah. The, the the only time <laughs> I, I ever like respect that is when they pull Little Wayne because he games <laughs> a fuck ton, and so I'm just like, "Yeah, no, you don't need to pair him with anybody. He'll just he'll just play. Him and Snoop Dogg will just fucking play video games. They're good at them. Like just yeah. just let him go." Yeah. As much as I'm disinterested in influencers at uh, conventions, oh, they sorry. at least have that going for them, where usually yeah. they actually are good at playing games. I I just feel like this entire thing is just sounds like the desperate last grasp. <laughs> the of, death of, throes. Yeah. Of E3. You know, like this, I mean, this sounds like E3's dying and them just trying to be like, guys, guys, we're still important. Hey, Hey Xbox, you still wanna you still wanna do stuff over here, right? Right, Nintendo, you wanna you wanna come back? Like PlayStation ma- wasn't even there last year, right? I don't PlayStation think anybody was there last year. Pulled out. Yeah, Microsoft was there showing stuff, but they held their own separate event at their own theater. Nintendo yep. always does their own. Nintendo, thing. Nintendo, yeah, now just do, does their own thing with their directs. Yeah, like it's just, I I just feel like it's Konami, dying. Did Konami finally give up their space on the floor or not? I don't remember. Don't know. Is because everybody remember... going to their own convention and now they're going to have their own conventions for everything and then somebody's <laughs> going to one day package all those conventions into one convention <laughs> that you can go to? Oh my Does God. this sound familiar? <laughs> so I remember one year, I don't know if it was last year or the year before, there was a year where Konami didn't have any games to show, but the way the ESA works and the way E3 works, if you give up your floor space, like they give it away to somebody else and you can't get it back essentially. So they just like bought the floor space and just had a booth that was for Konami that they weren't showing anything for because <laughs> they, just they, just didn't, they just didn't want to give it up. <laughs> wow. 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 And they kind of stopped making games for a bit there. So I don't know if they actually ended up giving it up or not. They're focusing I... on their pachinko. Oh, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> oh gosh. And their, their fitness uh, centers in Japan, I guess. I I mean they're going to really struggle to get I feel like to get the audience that things like PAX get. I don't I E3 like E3 is such a huge name though. I think if they just open it up and yeah. it's like 80,000 people can come, 80,000 people will show up. I think so. I think 80,000 people will be absolutely miserable. But I guess yep. they'll make yeah. their money. So they have whatever. No concept of how to run a big public show. No. So And PAX does it hire... so Freaking well, except for unplug who, first year. Who runs? Is it Reed Pop that runs Pack still? Uh, yeah. They need to hire them to run their show. Yeah. And then that'll be it. It'll be like it'll PAX work. California. It in, may not be as good as Pax, but it'll work in June. It won't be as good as Pax. Uh, it'll be different. It'll be bigger yeah. games and less indie stuff. Yeah. I it'll don't know be because like I... the main area of the floor of Pax and like maybe a little bit more. But I also feel like, I mean, think about it. We had the Borderlands 3 announcement this year at PAX, which is kind of crazy. 
Yeah. Like that doesn't happen at PAX. And the fact that that's starting to become like a more common thing now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hearthstone got I, announced at PAX. Yeah. Did it really? I mean, yeah. I remember because I was upset. <laughs> because Blizzard had an announcement and that panel sh- like filled up instantaneously. And then uh, we yeah. saw. We saw later, like on our phones, that it was a card game, and we we're like, "I <laughs> didn't go to <laughs> that." We didn't go, like the international. Yeah. yeah. Oh <laughs> man, too soon, guys. Too soon. <laughs> Let's not talk about artifact that way. They're re-releasing it Someday. at some point. At sometime. some point, after hey, they make a about... bunch of money off of a game, they just basically bought off somebody else. Let's talk about other cool gaming platforms that are cool concepts, you know, where people are putting all their own packages and streams and things that you can go purchase for a monthly <laughs> monthly uh, <laughs> dollar value. Apple Arcade, who we do have a person on this podcast that is very excited about Apple Arcade. Who um, would that be? Where? I don't know if I'd say very excited. I'm <laughs> cautiously optimistic. Oh, uh, okay. Tell so me about I did... this Apple Arcade. I did buy, I didn't buy actually, I got the free trial. They're giving everybody a free month free at the launch. A free month free? A free <laughs> month free. That kind of defeats the purpose of giving it away for free if it's already a free so, month. That's true. You th- they they <laughs> announced this as like, hey, you can pay a subscription and there's a bunch of games that you can get on your phone. And you think about that initially and you're like, wow, that sounds really terrible. Who would want that? And then you kind of like go into the mindset of what they're thinking and you're like, it actually kind of makes a lot of sense because the problem with the mobile market is that everybody is jaded on prices. So if your game costs $3, nobody wants to buy it mm-hmm. because oh everything's gosh. free on mobile. So Wait. you need to have a free game that has a ton of microtransactions and it just ends up ruining everything because you can't even play anything with it until you pay a bunch of money into it to begin with. Alex and I were sitting in a brewery. We ran into this exact problem. He was playing a game on his phone. I don't remember what it was called off the top of my head. Um, but I was like, uh, oh, that human looks resource co- machine. I was playing human resource machine. I was like, man, it looks really cool. Uh, did you get that on Apple Arcade? No, I bought it. It was $5. I was like, $5. I'm not buying a mobile game for $5. <laughs> right. Are you kidding? But it's a it. complete, it's a complete game that has no microtransactions. It's just an experience that you're buying for $5, but nobody wants to do that. Yeah. Because everybody's been taught that stuff on phones is like free or like maybe 99 cents at the high or, end. Mm-hmm. Or it's Clash of Clans. Now all of a sudden you have the subscription fee where you've got access to tons of games, but the authors of those games know for a fact that they're getting money for them and they're exclusive to this platform. So now they're building games that are actual games with no microtransactions that are like full complete experiences because they're ensured that they're going to have a certain amount of return on them. I mean, don't worry about building it for free. As long as it's not like Spotify level artist returns, like they're actually, yeah, well, I don't know how much they're actually getting. That's the problem. I mean that like music streaming platforms are a big, like there's a big problem with them right now. And that's why people don't like, you know, people are not on Spotify or they're not on Apple music or they're not, Whatever it is, mm-hmm. because they're like, yeah, I'm not. We don't make any money off of that. It's, you know, tiny, tiny percentages of pennies per play. So I, I mean, if the artists get paid, the you know the the devs get paid for what they're working on, that would be awesome. But I, I mean, they're so really going to have to pay out quite a bit. There's that idea mixed with the fact that this is releasing with iOS 13, which is including native support for xbox and playstation controllers 
Mm-hmm. And all these people are now just automatically bo- uh, building in controller support for their games. So now you've got basically a full portable like game system that has real games. Yeah. Um, and it's super cool. So I, I got the free trial, and there's a bunch of games that I've downloaded. I haven't really touched all of them yet. Uh, one I specifically want to call out, they made a what is essentially a sequel to Enter the Gungeon for iOS exclusively. It's called what? Exit the Gungeon. <laughs> yeah, he was telling me that. It seems so cool. <laughs> so it's like if you took Enter the Gungeon and made it a side-scroller, uh, oh. and you're dodge-rolling up and down platforms... And you're basically in this like room where a bunch of enemies are spawning, and the room is an elevator. So you're trying to get out of the dungeon. You're trying to like ride the elevator back to the entrance. Uh huh. And basically, all you're doing is like dodge rolling around, avoiding the bullets. You use your blanks to clear the screen, just like and enter the dungeon. Um, you're shooting everybody to kill them, obviously. And then also, um, Caliber, the goddess, at the beginning of each run blesses your weapon to where every few yeah. seconds it changes to a mm-hmm. random weapon. You can do that and enter the gungeon, but it like costs credits and whatnot. It's so cool. So you're just getting random stuff. And then that's a lot of fun. On top of that, uh, it's got sort of like a combo system. So the longer you go without getting hit, like the better weapons you'll roll into. Oh, nice. So you start getting like crazy weapons if, you, if you're just doing really well. That sounds cool. Um, yeah, and it's just a, it's basically that, that game in like a new sort of concept. Really, really cool. It actually works super well with, uh, touch controls. Oh yeah. It's just like a, um, like your left thumb is just left and right movement. So that's kind of easy to do. You just kind of slide back and forth and then your right thumb, you flick a direction to dodge roll that way. And then it's got this uh, one additional layer where you can like kind of hold your right thumb to slow down time and you can like aim your dodge. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you're in the air when you're dodge rolling, like nothing hits you. So it's, you're kind of like dodging through patterns of bullets and stuff like that. It's pretty like the same way you would do in the regular game. Right. That's pretty cool. A lot of fun. Um, I just, and I got a. Yeah. What was, what? I just looked up to see if. Uh, Android had anything similar, and it looks like they're releasing their Google Play Pass. Google Play Pass. Similar, it seems. Yeah, everybody's oh, yeah, going to have right, a game have subscription soon. Like, Xbox yeah. has one, Uplay has one, EA has one. Everyone's going to have a subscription soon, and then somebody is going to get all those subscriptions and package them. So she <laughs> Epic, can get one Epic big is going to have the oh, Epic my, subscription pack. Oh, I'm going Epic. There's some hey, other stuff actually, that's on the service that I've downloaded. Like, there's this game Overland that me and Aaron played at PAX one year. Uh, oh. It's basically like... Um, that game was cool. It's like post-apocalyptic, like... Oh, the turn-based. Like you're traveling... The... Yeah, it's a turn-based one. So you're traveling from place to place, trying to scavenge supplies, and then every time you arrive at a place, it's like a turn-based tactics situation. But you're not necessarily trying to kill everything that shows up. You're trying to like get some supplies and get out. Sometimes you kill stuff, and a lot of times you'll have a member of your team die, and you like move on without them. <laughs> so that's that's pretty I'm cool that game. to you guys. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. You sacrifice everybody to save the dog. That's the that's the situation. <laughs> um. And then, like, there's Sayonara Wild Hearts on there, which was also at PAX. I don't know if anybody saw that, but that game is really cool. It's it's pretty simplistic, 
it's kind of like an on rails um i don't know you're, you're like dodging stuff and there's like some light quick time stuff is the pinball um, game what did you say no it's sayonara wild hearts it's it's basically mm-hmm. like a interactive um like visual like album of music it's weird it's like all this the oh. funky music like weird Was visuals there one where you like ride on a motorcycle and are jumping and grabbing yep. like coins mm-hmm. or something yep it's that one i remember that now so it's really cool music's great uh and it's basically like you play through an album worth of music and it's i don't know it's a cool experience mm. it's like a new shantae game on the service nice um yeah a couple other things i found but i haven't really got a chance to touch yet uh we, we mentioned epic a minute ago um kind of an interesting little side note to to in the Fortnite realm bumble um actually are you get any of you guys on bumble you guys on no. bumble i'm no. bumbling you bumble no. but oh, man Bumble's there's fun. now I a reason for, other for people. us to do it um so bumble is teaming up with a Fortnite team uh that is all women and they are sponsoring this team and it is the first time that like bumble's really sponsoring anything outside of dating stuff but uh their point was that they wanted to increase the um not really viewership but like kind of the existence of women in gaming and they want more women in gaming so they were like okay we're gonna help out this team we're gonna sponsor them and they're promoting the idea that we should have more women playing uh games especially something like fortnite where the pro scene in fortnite there's very few women uh if any at all and but then they look at like the streaming side of it there are a lot more i think they said like their player base uh was something like 40 45 percent female yeah uh 35% female but that's not the same as what they're seeing in the pros and so they're like that's not cool uh so they want more of that and one of the things they're going to be doing is that they're adding a feature into bumble so you can match up with other people to play games with not to like go on a date with these people but to literally just be like hey i'm this person that plays overwatch who wants to match up and play overwatch with me and you can match up with people and then play video games online with these people okay that's pretty cool yeah and it's not like it's 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 the goes off of their like bff system which is basically like it's it's a way to use those kind of apps to just meet people in general you're not looking for uh romantic partners you're not looking for any preferences of like genders or ages it's literally just like hey uh i want it you know i just moved into dc i'm trying to meet people and you know other people that are like there and being like ah yes i too am in dc you know and i like these things let's hang out and maybe you make a new friend this way uh but they're extending it out to video games as well so that's neat the way you said that ah yes i too am in dc now yes i i also am here i've lived here for many a years um <laughs> and i guess not to be outdone in of the, course not in the department of dating apps just doing shit that dating apps don't do or the streaming um, service world or the streaming service world tinder 
is starting a weird streaming service. It's not a streaming service in a way of like watching uh, videos. Basically, they're going to have uh, a story, four stories that they're creating unfold in your Tinder profile. So as you swipe left or right on these specific people that will show up and it'll like be very prominent like hey this is like a a story profile uh that like it'll unfold and then you'll swipe left or right to interact with the story that is unfolding in your screen uh the same way like that you picked options in bandersnatch so it's literally going to be like videos that are going to be popping up in your feed and then you just watch the video and then it's going to be like hey swipe right for this person to do x swipe left for this person to do that and then you do that and you just continue onward and they're doing four of these so Uh. interactive viewing entertainment yay gizmodo Mm -hmm. has Mm -hmm. an article and the title is is tinder about to become the horniest streaming service (laughs) uh tinder should stick to what tinder does best and not do this shit i mean to be honest i feel like interactive video stuff is uh first of all just old tech i mean youtube did this shit years ago and like you could pick you know the the options on the bottom left that were labeled and then it would link you to a different youtube video that like continued the story with whatever option that you picked Mm -hmm. so like this isn't a new thing this has been done far long ago And it also wasn't a thing that stuck. As you can tell, if you go onto YouTube now, there's not like a ton of that still there. It was just kind of like a a fad for a couple of, uh, for like, I think about a year. Uh, And then it was like, all right, cool. Um, That's a neat way to tell (laughs) stories, I guess. Sure. Uh, Yeah, I mean, I think it's a neat way to do that. But if you want more interaction with a story then you're going to have more things like interactive cutscenes at some point and then at that point you're basically just playing video games yep. so <laughs> I, 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 I kind of see it a little bit but at the same time I'm just like dude just fucking like put in um, what's that one that's on PlayStation with the um, Hayden Pentiera uh it's, it's like a horror game and you have to like decide who lives and dies and uh, I know what you're talking about yeah like and that one. They, they just made us <laughs> they just made a second one but yeah it's basically just like I think that's like the antithesis of all of this is that it basically ends up being that and at that point it's just like well you're back to playing a game so good job until dawn until dawn yeah, until dawn that's it yeah mm. um so yeah I I just I I think it's cool but tinder too, should stay out of it too many streaming services freaking nbc's peacock streaming service like what the <laughs> what the what come on now guys hey actually um, let's wrap name, up the, the game realm with a couple of uh, announcement stuff that's uh, been recent um number one being last of us part two uh yeah they go just for it. did they just did like a I don't know event where they showed some more off this uh, this game and I don't know I've I've just seen the trailer that they put out. Uh, it looks insane in terms of fidelity. I don't know how they do it. Is Naughty it Dog is our wizards footage? Oh, um, definitely. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, it is straight <laughs> gameplay that looks 
so insane. Uh, I don't know. Some of the, like the, they make it look so dynamic. I don't know how they do it. They're with their wizards. Naughty Dog yeah. is wizards. You mean wizards. like when people like take cover behind things and then move out of it? Because that looked really good. In the any first of game. the way, any of the way, any of the character movement or interactions with other characters looks. Yeah. Like really just solid. like scuffles between people. Like you, there's a part where Ellie stabs a dude and it just looks crazy. It's not like I don't know. It looks like nothing else in games. Well, I think, they are I think really a lot of that, that is like. Uh, real-time capture stuff, right? With, like, I'm sure. Andy, Andy Circus-style stuff. Motion capture, yeah. I'm sure, but it's just, like, usually you have, like, all right, we'll capture the stab animation now. It seems like they have so much more to that than just, like, that one animation. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know if they've captured an animation and then they've somehow applied, like, dynamic effects to, like if there's a weight behind some movement that you're making or something like, I wouldn't be surprised if they have some sort of system in place to, to change those animations subtly to like reflect more how the situation shows it. Mm-hmm. I remember the because first, of how it looks so cool. The first game had some really crazy animations. Like there was one where Ellie would jump on somebody's back and stab them with a shiv over and over and it just looked good. Like it looked like it made sense. Mm hmm. Yeah, I mean, specifically in the in the trailer, there's some sections where it's clear like you're doing, you're attacking somebody, and the way the two the two bodies meet just looks like actors doing it. I don't know, hmm. instead of it cool. being like a video game, and then just like the fidelity of the environments and like the scenes and the detail and everything, and supposedly it's running on a PlayStation Four. Like, I don't know how they do that. <laughs> They got the best um, optimizers in the business. They're they're wizards, man. <laughs> they wizards. Are. They're wizards with PlayStation hardware. I think I think Sony just like limits the processor for everybody and then like under the table they're like, "Hey Naughty Dog, <laughs> to unlock it. Here's the code to unlock the true power of the PlayStation. <laughs> Your game will unexplainably look better than everything else in our console." <laughs> Um, yeah, I don't know. It looks super cool. And there, there's some reveals in the trailer. There's definitely a spoiler in there. I've never even played the first game, so I don't, I don't have any. If you care, don't watch that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they announced the release date, so it's coming out uh, oh. February 21st, 2020. Oh, dang. Okay. Okay. All right. Like, okay. Well, sooner than I thought it was going to be. I thought it was going to be like winter next year. Or yeah. Man, that's awesome. Yeah. That's cool. Shall we talk I, about what... Uh, what? Go ahead. I kind of thought that they were going to do like a split system. Like they were going to push it out until PS5 comes out and then do like a PS4 version and a PS5 version. Mm-hmm. But really the PS5 version is what you want. Yeah. And like all the footage that they've shown is from that version because it just looks so good. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. That's super exciting. Can we talk uh, about what... Yeah, yeah. So there's a trailer out. This this came out a while back, actually, of Shantae. It was called Shantae Five at the time. It's now called Shantae and the Seven Sirens. It's a new Shantae game. But the trailer, it's only like 30 seconds long, but it's done by Studio Trigger, who, if you're not familiar, they do 
or did, I guess, Kill a Kill and Darling in the Franks and some other stuff that I can't think of right now. Panty and Stocking. That's a weird one to bring up. Whatever. Mm-hmm. They did that one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and they did the animation for this Shantae and the Seven Sirens game, and it looks freaking amazing. It looks so cool. I'm so excited for the new Shantae game. I've only played one of them, Shantae and the Pirate's Curse, I think, but pretty solid Metroidvania, so now I'm super excited this about this one. looks like it's currently available, part one, on iOS as a part of Apple yeah, Arcade. So I was about to say nice. that's that's the one that's on Apple Arcade. I didn't okay. realize that was the you same s- thing. You said Shantae, and I was like, oh, it's probably one of the earlier games. got to be, right? But wow, that's that's cool. Uh, and they, like six days ago or something, released another video game trailer that Studio Trigger did. Uh, this is a new game that's not out quite yet. I think it's coming out in October called Indivisible. Uh, the gameplay doesn't look good. I've also played the demo and it wasn't terribly fun. <laughs> but the animation, it's like a two and a half minute animation that Studio Trigger made that looks super cool for the game. Highly adve- highly suggest you go check it out. Uh, speaking of Trigger, they just released not too long ago their uh, movie, Promare, their first movie, I think. I went and saw it. I was supposed to go see it with Alex, but somebody had a concert to go to and forgot. Hey. So... Listen, dude. <laughs> that concert was incredible. <laughs> it's a really good concert. And they have a new girl who's a part of the band, and she sang Jason, which is like freaking one of the best midnight songs that exists. I mean, she did <laughs> sing it worse than I know the original. original. I know. Wow. I <laughs> but know. it was so cool. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. <laughs> okay, well, back to Promare. Promare is a great movie. If you like Studio Trigger stuff, this is going to be so up your alley. It's so good. The animation style is crazy weird, but I think it adds like a ton to the movie. It's, it's super colorful, super like geometric in its animation. Lots of, like squares and triangles bouncing around for some reason, but weird. it looks really cool. And shapes and the dialogue and stuff. in it is great. It's super funny. It's got a, a lot of voice actors you'll just recognize from having watched Trigger shows like that. One, the conductor girl in Kill a Kill who has that super specific voice that's like gravelly. She's in it. She's great. It's super good. If you like Trigger at all, it's like kind of like, I'm not going to say the epitome of Trigger stuff, but it like references all the Trigger stuff and it does a really good job with it. You're, you're getting it's paid super for this solid. plug, right? It should be, man. This Trigger plug? It was I mean, really good. It was also an awesome theater experience, I think. Probably one of the best things I've seen in theater. Great. Glad, glad <laughs> such a good theory experience. <laughs> the, de- the description uh, for this is great. A futuristic firefighting mecha service is created to protect the world. Yeah, I didn't explain what it was about at all, huh? Yeah, no. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, they're all I firefighters. I don't want to know. Okay, well, they're <laughs> firefighters. I don't want to know. I'm upset. I wouldn't hear. It's, it's really, really good. You should watch it, especially if you like trigger stuff. Hey, well, I'd love to talk about Studio Trigger more, but we have now been doing this podcast for one hour and 48 minutes, and I feel like this is just evidence that Jake needs to not be on the podcast anymore because he just really makes it less, you know, just less good, (laughs) less time, less interesting. I mean, Jake was here. We would have went to like two and a half hours. We would have had so much more to talk about. (laughs) It's true. (laughs) Okay, maybe we would have. He would have had his quips. It would have been good. It would have been good. Uh, anyway, thanks so much for joining us. Please go to our website. Check out what else we've done. We are at the horizon.com. You can check out our Facebook as well. Uh, we had a 
uh, community cast that we did. Oh, I think it's been five weeks now. Yep. Um, with uh, Ubisoft uh, community manager. Really we're, cool. We're lining up a second. There's I, a hey, sequel coming. I'm excited. We'll get there. It'll it'll be good. Uh, but go listen to that. And uh, thanks so much. And we will catch you next time. This week's podcast was edited by me, Aaron Juno. Other voices this week include Alex McCoslin, Caleb Juno, and Owen Patterline. This week's music was again brought to you by Amer. You can check out his music on Spotify, or you can also check it out on soundcloud.com forward slash Amer. Additionally, you can check out everything that we do, We Are The Horizon, at our website, www.wearethehorizon.com. We have a lot of video posts as well as links to other content we've done in the past. We also have a couple new series that we've been working on, one for a custom divinity campaign and another for a Pathfinder campaign that we've been working on. So make sure you check those out as well. Again, thanks so much for joining us and we'll catch you next time.